Hello, and welcome to Exposing Your High School Reading List. This is a very special episode. A very special episode. (laughs) Oh my gosh. If you're listening to this on release day, it is November 26th. And for all of you absolute nerds out there, some of you are nerdy enough to know that November 26th is an important date in Pride and Prejudice. That's right. This is a special bonus, not Thanksgiving, but kind of Thanksgiving episode of more Pride and Prejudice content because I think, you know, even though at the time of recording this, we haven't even recorded the actual Pride and Prejudice (laughs) episode, I think that it's going to be a hit. It's going to be a huge hit. Oh, of course. This is what's going to make us go viral. Yeah, I mean, we've plugged it so many times. How could it not? (laughs) So many times. And it's not just like the same four people (laughs) listening to it going like, are we ever going to actually hear the Pride and Prejudice episode? You are. You are. Uh, You You have already heard it by the time you listen to this. So... Before we get into what this episode is going to be, we're going to do a mini icebreaker. It's just Lauren and I, if you couldn't tell. The other guys hate us. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, Becca has another thing, and then Greta was supposed to be here and will be here eventually, but got held up, so this is a last-minute thing that we decided to do for fun. Yeah. So we're going to do our favorite favorite trope. We've done our least favorite trope. Let's talk about our favorite trope. I love a good trope. My favorite trope is childhood friends to lovers, Mm. particularly when they're also idiots in love. Ugh, idiots in love. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Idiots are great. Idiots are so good. Idiots in love are, like, god tier. Absolute god tier. Especially when it's a healthy relationship. Oh, my god. God. We love a healthy relationship. We love a relationship that respects boundaries. Boundary respecting. Absolutely. (laughs) Love it. We love to see it. What about you? So my favorite is, and I don't know if this is like an official trope, but it is for me and it is in my heart and soul. And I think that's what really matters here. Yeah. Is us against the world. (gasps) I love that. Because I'm a huge fan of that. Like it's not them against each other. Mm -hmm. Like the conflict is not between the couple. The conflict is everybody else and everything else. No, I'm a huge fan of that. That's, yeah. you know, what all of my books are going to oh. be, particularly the Regency books that I'm writing. And that's a perfect segue it into is. this special episode is the essay that I have yet to write. It is. <laughs> it the is. essay you are currently writing now. Also, disclaimer. Okay. This is being recorded on November 9th. Yesterday was election day. I got three and a half hours of sleep watching the results. So, forgive me. <laughs> so, I found out. Today, Lauren told me. Lauren felt safe enough to disclose this information. Speak your truth. Oh, I have never finished Pride and Prejudice. Not because I don't love it. I love what I've read so far. It's just that I read five books at a time, and then every once in a while I finish one of them. And Pride and Prejudice just hasn't had its turn yet. I've only read, according to Goodreads, 18% of the book. And I've only ever seen the 2005 movie. See, that's the part that really bothers me, but it's okay. It's okay. And I don't want anyone who's listening to this right now and who really, really loves that movie, I don't want you to think that I think it's a bad movie. It's a good movie. Objectively. It's beautiful. You know, Keira Knightley is very talented. Doesn't matter that I think the guy is really ugly. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just doesn't, doesn't work. Uh, it's not a good Pride and Prejudice adaptation. And this episode is me telling you why. Perfect. I'm so excited. Yeah. I have done this before, not in any official capacity, but I made my best friend watch the movie and I sat there with the book. I would just tell her why everything was wrong. 
That sounds like something I would do. I have sat in movie theaters before and whispered to my mom being like, that's not how they did it in the book. (laughs) Yeah. Where do we start? Give me some of your vibes. Like while watching the movie, like what did you pull out of it? Like what were the things that really stuck with you? What are the things that you think about now? Absolutely. So my my first thing that always sticks with me that, that is a positive is when they're dancing in the ball scene and everyone else disappears. Okay. I, okay. I love a good so-in-love. They forget about everyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. Love when that happens. Obviously, the, the whole Lydia and, and the soldier thing is very disturbing. But Mr. Darcy paying for that and her wedding and making sure that it's and, and not saying anything because he doesn't want the credit. Beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I feel like I spent more of the movie being like, God, Kira Knightley's so pretty, rather than like absorbing most mm-hmm. of it. So. And this will bring us to error number one. And I hate, oh. I hate framing it like that. <laughs> okay, so Elizabeth Bennett, she's mm-hmm. known as the gem of Meryton, right? The town that they're in. Yeah. But she is supposed to be uglier than Jane. She is yes. not supposed to be the beauty. Why on earth would you cast Kira Knightley? <laughs> Why would you cast Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter when he is supposed to be incredibly ugly? It's, it's a Hollywood issue. Yeah, no, it's just not like because even if you look at it from a perspective of what was like classic beauty standards then, mm-hmm. like it's, it doesn't work. No. I think that's something that the 1995 BBC miniseries does really well is I think Jane literally looks like a depiction of Mary like oh wow the way she's like so angelic I think that is like perfect I feel like I can just say now like so that I don't have to keep bringing it up there's a lot of like period inaccuracies oh yes with with the expected you know behavior Mm -hmm. one of the things that Professor Katie Sagal and I have discussed at length is you know the scene where she walks three miles to Netherfield yes her hair is down She walks into that room and her hair is down. In this time period, for a lady of this social standing, if your hair is down, that means something very different. If you had your hair down, that was you're still in the schoolroom, as in you're not like of marriageable age. Yeah. Uh, It is like such a basic thing that bothers me so much about like, it's a minor detail, like something that they could have done they could have done it well. Mm-hmm. Just like having her hair be up. It can be like messy. A, a mess, but it should be up. And like I know that that's such a small thing. But it's but so important. it takes you out of it. If you're somebody who, you know, studies this period a lot, I do because I'm writing a Regency novel and I'm trying to be as close to this like set of expected rules as possible. That bothers me a lot. Yeah. As far as an adaptation standpoint, right? You know, we walk into netherfield ball and bingley's sister is in this like prom dress yes. <laughs> with like the shoulders i was like you couldn't even wear that in like a high school in america without getting like <laughs> dress coded i was like who is this what is happening what is she doing she didn't have any of the drama that miss caroline bingley is supposed to have she's supposed to be so ostentatious she's supposed to be so pretentious like and i know she has that air mm-hmm. right because i've seen this a couple of times right and i've watched it specifically for this reason to figure out what the inaccuracies are and how it strays yeah. from the original. So, like, I know this. And, like, you know, dressing for dinner, right? If you're in this time period, what you would wear to dinner in London when you're going to a social event is very different from what you'd wear to dinner 
in the country yes. when you're just dining with like close friends, family, whatever. The thing about like Miss Bingley and Mrs. Hurst, who is her sister, Bingley's other sister, who isn't in this movie, which is fine. That's a choice. Mm -hmm. Specifically, Caroline Bingley would dress like she's in one of those like London Mm -hmm. Like dinner parties with like feathers and it was just like it just really very dramatic and very out of place because mm -hmm. she's reaching. Yes. Right. She's trying to get Darcy to marry her. Yeah, the poor thing. <laughs> the poor thing. And I think they really that's a very subtle thing that they do it in the is. movie. It's yeah. not you've read the first eighteen percent, mm -hmm. you've read through Netherfield when yes. she's staying with when Elizabeth is staying in Netherfield. Oh yeah. So you've seen that. Right. That is oh, yeah. prime. That, that is, is prime Caroline Bingley. It's so funny. Trying so hard. She tries so hard. It's so sad when she's just like walking around the room with her and like trying to like make Darcy impressed. And she's like doing these little snipes at her of like, oh, there's mm -hmm. mud on your dress. Six inches deep in mud. Sorry. <laughs> I can quote so much. Like, As I, you should. No, I shouldn't apologize. This, no. If you're listening to this, you want to hear it. Do not apologize. Okay, so I, I have the book in front of me because I couldn't come to this without having the book in front of me. Miss Bingley's attention was quite as much engaged in watching Mr. Darcy's progress through his book as in reading her own, and she was perpetually either making some inquiry or looking at his page. She could not win him, however, to any conversation. He merely answered her question and read on, at length, quite exhausted by the attempt to be amused with her own book, which she had only chosen because it was the second volume of his, she gave a great yawn and said, How pleasant it is to spend an evening in this way. I declare, after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book. When I have a house of my own, I shall be miserable if I have not an excellent library. <laughs> no one made any reply. She then yawned again, threw aside her book, and cast her eyes around the room in the quest of some amusement. I love it so much. And one of the things that I find really funny, too, is if you're looking for Pride and Prejudice quotes on mm -hmm. things, like you're in a Redbubble, wherever, one of the quotes they always use is, there is no enjoyment. <laughs> Quite like, yeah. yeah. And that oh, kills me because yeah. it is... It's... <laughs> I love it so much because... If she were actually enjoying reading, she would not be talking about enjoying reading. Exactly. She'd be reading. Exactly. <laughs> and so, like, you see how much humor there is and yeah. how much, like, just irony, right? Oh, yeah. And how ridiculous Caroline Bingley ends up looking. She doesn't ever look ridiculous to me in the 2005 movie. No, I remember her coming off quite regal in the 2005 movie mm -hmm. to a point where I was worried that she would end up with Darcy. Right, that was almost like another attempt at yeah. a sort of conflict. And that was weird because she is never an option for Darcy. No. Like, his family would sooner have him marry Elizabeth than marry Caroline Bingley. Because <laughs> let me tell you this. Like, okay, Caroline Bingley's problem, one mm -hmm. of many, is that her money comes from trade. And at this time, that was new money that was frowned upon. Darcy's money is like, Old, old, old money. Yeah. So Elizabeth, although she's broke, she is a gentleman's daughter. Mm -hmm. And that is much more important than Miss Bingley's 20,000 pound dowry, which is like a really great sum yeah. of money. But it would be him marrying down for sure. Whereas Mr. Bingley marrying Jane honestly elevates him. It does more for him than it does for her. 
if you look at it from like a social standpoint. Absolutely. Obviously, there's a lot of other factors because, you know, we're worried about the house after Mr. Bennett dies and, and you need that security. Like that's a whole thing. But from the eyes of like town capital T. Yes. You're looking at he did well for himself if he oh, married yes. Jane. Yeah. No, yeah. no. Money and where it comes from and your status and if you've had any scandals are very important. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Scandal is everything. And like, guys, when I say that I know what I'm talking about here, like, I know you can tell. I know it's coming across. But I did a scholarly edition of Pride and Prejudice for one of my projects. I annotated the entire book in a weekend just for funsies. Professor Katie Sagal was like, at least you don't have to. I was like, but can I? Can I please? And I like so much. I have so much passion for this. It's why I chose writing a Regency book to be my senior English capstone project. Because I love it so much. I absolutely get it. I mean, you're you're looking at someone who's read like five editions of Macbeth in the past like month. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is this works so well. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about another thing that usually bothers me. I understand why it's such a draw. Mm-hmm. It's the relationship between Mr. Darcy and Georgiana. Yeah. Okay, so in the words of Mr. Darcy, more than ten years my junior. Okay, he is twenty eight in mm-hmm. the book. She is, right, she's 16. They would not be close. No. Like, they would not be close siblings. No. Right, because he would have been in school when she was born. And, like, George Wickham, okay, I think he's, like, at least a year older than Darcy, so it's even grosser. Yeah. Like, he's just a pedophile. But Darcy would have been in school when Georgiana was born, probably. She also would have been in school, probably, when their father died. Yeah. Or she would have been doing something, right? And he would have been traveling. He would not have been expected to be ready to become... Father figure. Yeah, and to uh, even to run the, the estate. And so this, like, do I want them to have this super close, very open relationship where he walks into the room and she, like, bounces around and, like, she's very bubbly? No, like, that's not, yeah. it's not possible. It's not, it would be nice. Yeah. But it's not real, especially no. because she would have been expected to marry somebody with a title. Yes. She is also dealing with the trauma of whatever George Wickham did to her and being betrayed. Like, she thought that she was in love enough that she was, like, ready to just, like, throw away all the things that she had been taught and, like, raised into, like, all of those rules and everything. She's ready to do that, finds out that he's only in it for the money. And... Oh, my God. Like, she's so shy. She's just as reserved as Darcy. But, like, she's also a woman. (laughs) So everything is just harder. Everything is more complicated. She feels so much shame. She has to. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. And there's no way that he has been able to talk to her about it. Because he is so closed off. As would be expected for this kind of relationship in in this time. It almost reads like the director of the movie or a producer or someone didn't see the value Darcy had in the book and decided that he needed something quote-unquote likable. Yeah, I was going to say, like, they had to make him more likable. Yeah. He had to have this really good relation. Like, But he's likable without it. He's likable without it. He's still a good brother, at least in the sense of this time period. He yeah. cared about her a lot. And he only wanted happiness for her. I mean, that's why he paid off George Wickham, because yeah. he was like, 
this is not like go- you're not gonna be happy he's a terrible person and we know this like you can see throughout the book really how much he cares about all of those people and so quietly so too. quietly just because it's like in the background doesn't mean that it's not happening as we find out and so like it almost undercuts the power of his care like his loyalty his yes. consideration for those around him because he doesn't need to be this like bubbly or capable of making somebody be bubbly like that's elizabeth's job yeah like okay like that's why they work so well because she's exactly not reserved in the ways that he is it's grumpy and sunshine exactly and like not always right they both will even each other out yeah and that's you know that complementary sort of relationship that really really works yeah so I just, I despise that scene with all of my heart because it just feels so unfair to Mr. Darcy. It does, yeah. Yeah. And to Georgiana, because who yeah. is this girl? <laughs> like, yeah. what? where is her shyness? She's not timid. She has no sense of, like, her status and her, the expectations that are on her. And that had to have been, like, so much. And I, as I'm saying this, right, like, you can tell... You, Lauren, and also you, whoever's listening to this right now, thank you for still listening. Um, (laughs) Like, I feel these characters is very much real. And that's something that even shocks me sometimes. You know, I'll, like, have a thought and I'm like, oh, no, but that, like, you know, and I think it's crazy because, right, this was 200 years ago. That's so wild to think about. And I feel it's that they have their own. It's crazy. We'll have talked about it more in the full episode. But (sighs) if you haven't read this book, please read this book. And also let women be quiet and reserved when they deserve it without it being a detriment to their character. Let Georgiana be shy without it being a bad thing. Yes. Okay, so now let's talk about Darcy. Um, Because he's one of my main complaints. He, movie Darcy is... (laughs) Not very attractive. Not only that, he's also a coward. Yeah. He is such a coward. Okay, Mr. Darcy from the book, Mr. Darcy from from the 1995 BBC miniseries, good adaptations of Mr. Darcy. He is stern. He is rigid. This is somebody who inherited, we don't know how many estates, right? We know of Pemberley and it's huge. Yeah. But we can assume that there are other estates. There's got to be at least one house in town, maybe more. Like, we don't know the full weight of this this man's responsibilities. At 23. That is insane. If two years, one year from now, someone... I know. (laughs) I would die. I would... It's so much. And, like, his father didn't expect to die that early or he would have prepared him, like, it wouldn't have been a shock, right? Like, he would have been able to just, like seamlessly take over that stuff but also here's the other thing right rich eligible bachelor right okay (laughs) it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife yes and the wives are in want of him (laughs) and the wives oh my god they want him so bad you can imagine just by mrs bennett right because her behavior isn't unique no is she slightly more vulgar than the mothers of London, possibly. At least, but they were just laughing behind their fans. Like they were doing the same things. So, you know, you have to imagine that people have been trying to trap him into a marriage. Yeah. 
for five years at least. Oh my god, I cannot imagine. He must be so paranoid. Yes. Yes. There's a lot there. And so, you know, okay, in the movie, right, they walk in and this, like, madhouse of the assembly dies into silence. They're all staring at them. And he looks like he's going to cry. Yeah. He does look like he's going to cry. That's not Mr. Darcy. No. I don't know who that is. It's not Mr. Darcy. <laughs> Mr. Darcy doesn't cry. He doesn't have tear ducts. He, <laughs> he does, but they only grow after Elizabeth tears a new one. Like Yeah, yeah. The, Elizabeth tears him his ducks. Yeah. Mr. Darcy is never unsure about what he's going to say or he wouldn't open his mouth to say it. Like, he is so... I think if they'd presented me with that Mr. Darcy, I would have felt much more for him earlier on in the film. Yes. Rather than it coming in, like, after he's done all of these quiet little kind things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's supposed to look like a jerk. Mm-hmm. He is, because he has to give off that air, first of all. And also, like, you know, he's in a terrible mood because he's just, it's, okay, it's Michaelmas, which yeah. is... Like, end of September, and Georgiana's near fiasco was over the summer. No time has passed. He is traumatized. Miss Bingley was going to stay home with him if he stayed home. He had no options. He had to go. Yeah. They made him look so stupid. They really did. I, I feel like Book Darcy, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from your description, Book Darcy sounds like the equivalent of scowling in the corner of the bar when you're just there to be with your friends and you really don't want any guys to talk to you. Yes. It's that. Also, you should watch the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Yeah? Oh my god. Greta and I have watched that a couple times together. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, no, it's good. Sorry, just a plug for that. So one of the things that bothers me so much about what the movie has done is there are now so many things, like objects, right, that you can buy, like Pride and Prejudice things, that have these quotes and they're not book quotes yikes they are movie quotes and they are deeply offensive when you compare it to the original and part of why i get offended is when it's like it gives jane austen the credit and i'm like that is uh, no that is wrong because the one that you'll see a lot is i love i love i love you most ardently <sighs> mr darcy in the book says, you must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. I have the book in front of me. I don't need to look at it. If someone said that to my face, I would faint. If someone said the movie one, I'd be like, that, that's kind of a weird phrasing. Right, and then, and then you look at that also from Elizabeth's perspective. She has just been fueled with the hatred of a thousand sons because yes. she's just found out that Mr. Darcy is probably entirely responsible for breaking her favorite sister. And he walks in. You must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. She's like, you jerk, you piece of <laughs> how bleep. How dare like, you? It's because also there's no romantic setting. Like they're in the sitting room of Hunsford Cottage. Like it is daylight. Yes. Like he, this is not. This sounds like me. <laughs> there was no near kiss moment. Mm-hmm. She believed that she hated him like so much. And really, in that moment, she did. Yeah. She did hate him. 
Mr. Darcy's awkward timing is the exact thing I would do, and I love that for him. <laughs> yeah, no, it's bad. She was writing like a letter saying like, how much she hated him. No, it's it's so good. I it's this is amazing. So I get so mad when people are like, I love, I love, I love you. It's not, yeah. it's not Darcy. It's not Darcy. It's and it's like not good. Stuttering. Yeah, it's not. That is not something that a man like Darcy would say because he doesn't open his mouth unless he knows exactly what he's going to say. There's nothing wrong with stuttering over confessions of love. However, it's it not, does not fit Darcy. It's not Darcy. So this is like so not even scratching the surface. I, yeah. It's okay. If you like the movie, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, but I love it. That's okay. You're allowed to. I'm not here to tell you that you can't. But, you know, it's important that you recognize like there are movies that just diverge from books and their adaptations and that's fine. We just got to have the separation. And I need you to be 100% certain if you say that you like the movie more than the book. And maybe consider rereading the book. (laughs) Do like a scene-by-scene comparison. I read an essay, anything. Read any of my essay. I mean, what? (laughs) Um, No, there's just, there's so much, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Bennett isn't ridiculous enough. Like, they're not loud enough. They're not vulgar enough. Like, the sisters aren't ridiculous enough yeah there was, was si- there's silence in the house in the first scene there like, does not panning. happen in big families I it can does not that. happen in the like elizabeth has never had a moment of silence in her life that's why she takes walks people like that's why she goes out she's like i gotta get some peace and quiet that's what that is me <laughs> and like also their house is like i think too big it's like a little yeah. too grand there were so many things in the movie i was like that's an odd choice but i don't know enough to like yeah Watch the 1995 BBC miniseries. That's as close as you can get to reading the book, in my opinion. And I've seen a lot of things. Like, guys, I've seen a lot of things of this. I've seen so many adaptations. I've seen so much. And a lot of them have a lot to add, right? We're just adding depth to the characters and adding new perspectives. That's one of the reasons that I love the other musical, Pride and Prejudice, a new musical, that is off, 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 off Broadway. <laughs> I we love off, 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 I off Broadway. I love it so much because it opened a lot of the characters' minds to me in ways that I had never even considered. And this is after years of pouring over this book, you know, and just getting to see all of that and consider those perspectives just makes everything better. Even to just like go back to the original, read the book again. I'm just, you know, I'm thinking and considering all of those other possibilities. And I'm like, oh, different motivations. Oh, different, you know, it's just, it's so good. I love that. It's so good. Um, If you are still listening to this right now, you are top tier. Top tier. (laughs) Top tier. Absolutely. I don't need to add any of you. You know who you are. So with that, let us know your deep analysis. If you if you hate me now, good. <laughs> Tell me why. Yeah. Write us write us an email. Send it to podcastyrl at gmail.com. Create We've got no thread. emails. <laughs> yeah. Interact with us on Twitter. Tell us what you thought. Comment on Instagram. EYRL podcast is our, our Twitter and our Instagram. And, you know, our website, eyrlpodcast.wordpress.com. Thank you so very, very much for listening to this super special episode. 
Thank you, Lauren, for editing all of this and the other one. I love this. (laughs) And all of the episodes. Yes. It's my job. She says that like we're getting any money. We are not. (laughs) I feel like we need to say that. A lot of podcasts get some money. We get nothing. No, no. This is this is my hobby. (laughs) This is what we do for fun. We sat down. I was like, guys, let's let's talk about Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) And Lauren was like, can we please? (laughs) Literally. Yeah. 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 That's how I am with everything. Just, yeah. Can we please talk about that book? Yes. Or, God, do we have to talk about that book? <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> As you will learn later this winter. Coming this winter. <laughs> Misery. <laughs> anyway. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. And we really, really hope that you got something out of this, even if it was hate. <laughs> Shout out to to my girl, Jane Austen. (laughs) Love you, bestie.